Good morning, everybody. How's it? Hope your team won yesterday. Um, or if you just didn't care, that's okay too. <laughs> um, good morning. So I am super excited this morning because I have an opportunity to share with you a little bit about what's been going on when we talk about KCF 2.0. Um, you know, we, we consider where we are right now in a kind of a transition 1.5, right? We got one service, we got the second um, half, if you will, where we're able to meet as life groups and do some of those things. And, um, and you've heard me earlier this year talk a little bit about some of our desire to move our church office and have a gathering spot at SALT. And some of you might be wondering, what happened to that? And so I wanted to share with you this morning the journey that I think the Lord has us on that's um, pretty exciting to me. But I wanted to share it in the context of, like a broader context. Um, and so I'm going to go back, actually, to um, the 2000 and 2016. Some of you might recall I went to Spain uh, on the Camino de Santiago. And, and if you don't know the Camino... Uh, if you have Netflix, there's a movie called The Way, uh, Martin Sheen, Emilio Estevez. Um, it's, it's a fantastic movie. But the reason why I want to share that with you is because it's a spiritual journey. And it is something that has been around for centuries. People make a pilgrimage uh, to Santiago. And it is actually the beginning, uh, for me, of trying to commune with the Lord in a different way, to really hear His voice. Uh, so that's what started uh, to me, this journey, and I would generally was calling it like just the walkabout. When I got back, uh, what I started to do is then, um, yeah, um, so, so when I got back to Hawaii, uh, I then started to, um, when I had meetings with people at the office, uh, what I would do is instead of meeting in a conference room, we would just um, go walk around downtown Honolulu. Uh, so that's what it became. We came a, the, the walkabout became a downtown Honolulu walkabout, and then it became a joke like, oh, Dave, we're going to Manoa today, or you know, where are we going to go? Um, and as many of you know, for many years, I was not a coffee drinker. Um, I, I, I didn't like the caffeine. It would make me jittery. Um, but so then what started happening later in 2018, uh, Dave, you can flip it, is then I actually started to uh, drink coffee more as a social thing. So I would go with some uh, friends from work, and I would actually go, oh, okay, you know, I'll, I'll have a cup of coffee. So I'll, I'll, I might start with the matcha latte, you know, because I could do the tea. And then it became like, oh, what are, what are you drinking? Oh, okay, you know, cappuccino. And then became the cortado. And then it's like all this other espresso stuff later. Um, and then that morphed, and next slide, to office hours. So I think I talked a little bit about this. Um, now what happens at work is... Text messages will go around, and we just call it like, let's go have some office hours. And so we'll sit down in a, in a cafe in downtown, and we just end up talking story about a whole bunch of things. Sometimes it's a startup that someone's working on, career stuff, just anything in general. Um, and so this is part of my journey. I started to find myself connecting, and interestingly, it was with a lot of the millennials in my office who I actually think are like some of the greatest people I've met and I, I admire them so much uh, in what they do. Um, and it, it's inspired me 
in many different ways. Um, in some of the ways I dress, actually. Um, they go like, that old dude should not be wearing that clothes. Um, okay, so, um, but then what started to happen in 2018 is then I invited these people into my house. I blame Neoshima for this, actually. So for those of you who, who don't um, know who these folks are, this is, I think, um, supposedly one of the top five shows in the United States. It's actually based out of Japan called Terrace House. Um, and the guy on the right is the most hilarious dude of them all. But what, what, what this show is about, and if you flip to the next slide, Dave, on Terrace House, it is as simple as it's a reality TV show, but not with the Uji stuff you get in America. So it's three guys, three girls, and all they give them is a nice house and a, a nice car. And they just kind of observe what happens. And um, while I, I don't... It took me about three episodes to get into it um, because I thought it was weird. It's very Japanese in many ways, so it's not something that you, you are comfortable with. But what I found out is I found myself rooting for them. And, and, and in the areas that most mattered to them, at least in the, in the show, is around career and love. And in many times, they're making some decisions and you're like, oh, you know, um, but what I found myself doing is like really like, you know, rooting for them and hoping that they would actually make the right decisions. Um, and then it started to make me think like, wow, all these things are kind of aligning, you know, like office hours and starting to drink coffee that I never did and go on these walkabouts on, around town. And it started to make me feel like there's something going on, that somehow this stuff is stirring in me for some reason and I, I didn't really know why. So then, you know, then the questions came up on the next slide here. It was like, what does this mean? You know, um, and, I, and I started to reflect on it. So if you look at the four things around the Camino and coffee and office hours and terrace house, where did these things intersect is that blue diamond. And I was, I was thinking about, like, what is, this, what is the blue diamond supposed to tell me about, you know, what's happening? Uh, not only in my life, but maybe God's trying to like nudge me in a certain direction. And I started to look at these four, four circles or Venn diagrams like this. And the next slide will show you that the first part is, was really the beginning of the importance of reflection. Um, and that's what the Camino was to me, and it still is to me. And then the coffee was just like social hangout. The Bible talks about it as fellowship. And in, in Acts 2, that's exactly what they did. It was one of the four things that Acts 2 makes really clear to us is they broke bread, they fellowship, they, they learned the teachings, and then they prayed together. Office hours was around career and work. That's really important to us. And we can't get around it. We love to say sometimes that, oh, you know, work is just work and let's, let's live a spiritual life. But yet at the same time, I think if we were honest, work is really personal. And if we're going to spend that much time uh, it, at the office, so to speak, um, what is that supposed to mean? Um, what does that mean to me and, and what we're supposed to do as a, as a follower of Christ? And Terrace House, as funny as that is, and every time I say that word, I think I owe at least five bucks, but, um, which I probably know her probably over $1,000 by now. But it's about life and living. And it was about, like, the, the challenges and the things that we all face day to day in 
in Terrence's house, you kind of go through this, and you have people who are not just going through career and love, but they go through some pretty tough times in their life. Um, uh, in fact, one of the guys uh, that I end up watching the, one of the first seasons, um, he ends up dying, you know? Um, and and when, you, when you find out about this later, you're just like, whoa, you know? Like, I've seen this guy, you know? And I, I, I kind of almost feel like I know him. Um, but that's, that's kind of where the four intersect, uh, around these areas. And, um, and so then I thought about, you know, who is Kakako Christian Fellowship? And we talked about it from the very beginning when we started this church. It was about real life, real people with real challenges and real answers. We talked about it as an everyday church of ordinary people living everyday lives. But the key word was we live it with authenticity. That this was, we just need to be real because uh, it's not a place, church shouldn't be a place where everyone's happy, happy, and everything's great because sometimes life is just not so great that people are struggling. Um, things are not that easy, right? But as Christ followers, we have hope. And then we do small things with great love. So then when we look at what have we been involved in outside the four walls of the church, these are some of the things we got involved in. Hawaii China Mission Church, Streams of Life, two churches that were grown out of Kakaka Christian Fellowship. Jared Miyamoto, who a lot of you know, worship leader here, was on staff. He and his wife, Tiana, and the kids moved to Makapala, started Island Breeze Ministries, which has been fantastic. We do Angel Tree. Uh, we get involved with the McKinley uh, campus. Also, the football team, as Pastor Mark had just talked about, we get involved with Ishinomaki uh, going out to Japan. There's a great group that Nathan Momohara, our worship leader here, takes people there, which has been terrific. Uh, and then the HPU women's basketball team, which I think they've been a blessing to us as much as we've hopefully been a blessing to them. But all these things, what they have in common is that it takes us outside the four walls of the church, that it's not supposed to be when the church gathers that we just are here to be comfortable and to be friends with each other. Because I think if that is all we were about, then we would not fulfill the Great Commission. And we would not fulfill what God really had in store for the church. So when we look at that background of who we are, and the journey that God's taking us on, and personally taking me on, then it start to look, we start to look at what is our vision for Kaka'ako, the place, the location. This is where it is in our name. And we talked about it as Kaka'ako being a social epicenter of Honolulu. It's, it's a, if you've been familiar, if you walked around Kaka'ako, and if you haven't, I would encourage you to do so because it's a unique place in Hawaii. It's a place where it's a little eclectic. It's, it's a little grunge. You almost don't feel perfectly safe in some ways, never mind the homeless guys, but in, just in general. Like, it's okay if there's graffiti on the wall, you know, in, in this kind of place. It feels kind of urban but it's also the part that gives it life. It's a place where you ha- it's, people can walk freely and there's mixed income residences there. Um, you, you see the ready access to rail. The rail stop is gonna be right there on Halikawila Street, a couple blocks away from Salt and maybe three blocks away from Alamoana Boulevard. Um, it's transformative because this is a place where people can actually afford to live um, and it's not like, what's a contrast to it is all those million dollar condos in Ward. Sometimes people talk about those pla- that place as Kaka'ako, but into me, 
that's Ward. That's Alamoana Ward. And that's where if you have a couple million dollars, you can buy a place. Um, and if you can afford to pay a mortgage-like maintenance fee, that's where you go. And it's beautiful. It's an amazing place to live. But Kaka'ako is not. This is like the everyday people um, are hanging out in Kaka'ako with people who actually have pretty expensive places. So it's a nice kind of mix and blend of things. So at that time, our view of salt was to look at this eclectic mix of the entrepreneurs, because there's a lot of small businesses in salt, as you'll see. There, I, I can't think of many national chains other than maybe Starbucks that was grandfathered, I think, there. But a lot of the places that are in salt are run by uh, mom-and-pop entrepreneurs, chefs, right? The, the, what's it called? Butchering the bird or whatever, and then fish, um, you know, things like that. Um, Moku's are local entrepreneurial chef types, artists, um, part of there. In fact, James Choi and I, we, we, uh, I learned from James that one of our classmates from high school is uh, one of the graffiti artists in Kaka'ako. Um, Catch One, I guess, is his, tagline, is his tag. And um, he's one of the artists that are often up there in the whole um, the powwow stuff that goes on in Kaka'ako. But in this way, we saw KCF as a participant in what's happening and in, in, in what, what's moving in this community. Uh, it is a way that we thought our church that is authentic to the core would have a place to uh, reach to, to the community in terms of the creativity, the social responsibility, the place that we think people are, are it's going to explode, is the feeling we had. And what would we bring would be, I think, some of that spiritual connectivity that people so desire. So our plan use at that time uh, was for it to be a meeting space. Uh, I think we used our office for a meeting space. We also thought it'd be a great place for there to be musician jam sessions uh, where the worship team and their friends could just come in and just play music together. And there was a time at our church office where it was used for that at some point. Um, we also had this vision of a crowdsourced prayer and support for entrepreneurs and small businesses. And I've talked about this a couple times and I'm still praying that it will become a reality. But this is the thought where we could, as a, as a Christian community, but also not just for Christians, be a place where online people could say, here's a story of a local entrepreneur and a business, and there's going to be a bunch of people that are just going to be committing to pray for that business. So just like there's a like button, there would be prayer buttons, you know, that this person would see, the entrepreneur would see, wow, there's like 500 people praying for my business. And it's also a place where the same entrepreneur could say, you know, I have a need for an electrician or a carpenter. And someone in the community would say, you know what, I just want to bless you with that. So that's what that is um, talking about. And then we also talked about life stage classes, that this is something that people wanted and that we could impart some of the, the wisdom from the Holy Spirit to people there. And then Pastor Mark came up with um, these seven guiding principles and these seven guiding principles are things that are, are to guide us and, and make sure that this is what we're laser-focused on in whatever we build and develop, uh, and, and new ministries and new programs. And so I'll quickly go through some of these. And if you want to see, there's also, or just come up to me afterwards, and I'll, I'll share with you the biblical verses that underpin these seven principles. But the first one was, the church is the hope of the world. Church is the hope of the world. It is, not, it is the means to the end. So in other words, we don't want people to just say, we build church and that's the end point. 
but that we, the church, as the people, are the means to, to share the hope of the good news of the gospel with people. And so that was a key principle for us. And so we felt that the, the salt ministry, as we called it, would reach and transform people who live, work, and play in that area, in Kakaako. Second principle, real, life, real people experiencing real life, encountering real challenges, receiving real answers from a real God. And the idea here is authenticity, and that this would be a place where we could be very authentic. Um, and here's this part that kind of got people a little nervous. We said, we will serve alcoholic beverages at this place. And it's like, whoa, I thought Christians just drink water when they get together. You know? And so this was like a, a way to say, yeah, but in the real world, you know, people drink more than water. Not that this would be a primary focus, but that, again, the, the issue being, or the, the underpinning thing here is being authentic. Um, so the next one. We discern what God is doing, get behind that. It's so easy for us, we felt, to, to create something and say, let's build this and just marshal all the resources to do this without really first seeking the Lord. Uh, and so we wanted to make a, a concerted effort that prayer would be the foundation of everything that we do and that we would follow what the Holy Spirit is doing. Fourth thing, we said that every person has a role and, um, and is valuable. And so in that regard, this gathering spot wasn't going to be like a club or members-only place. Rather, it would be open to all, and it would be a welcoming to all. Five, um, a disciple of Jesus walks in a manner worthy of his or her calling. And uh, this concept here was that everyone is, uh, God developed each of us and, and created each of us with a hope and vision for the future. And so how do we help each person to fulfill God's best for their life? Uh, and that's what this is about. Six, leaders of integrity lead and empower uh, people to make an eternal difference throughout the world. And the, the notion here is that integrity was going to be of high value, and the leaders who were involved in this endeavor, as it is with KCF in general, um, some of the character traits are humility and obedience to the Lord. Number seven, and innovation is embraced to reach the world in its next generation. This one is challenging um, because oftentimes, and Mark has talked about this many times, new wineskin is, is tough. It goes back to Jesus. He's like, you know, for new wine, you need new wineskins. And, so, and, and almost kind of underlying all of that is that people, it's hard to change. It's hard to have a new paradigm. And so when we talk about innovation, uh, we talk about holding the concepts lightly and also being open to embracing change as the Holy Spirit leads. Um, this move to like salt, this move to the second service being focused on life groups uh, and getting people to connect with each other is sometimes unnerving. Uh, it's much easier for us to do what we've been doing for the last 15 years and do Sunday service, pack up, you know, Get, get, a, get a good fellowship out here and then go home and then we come and do it again on Sunday. Um, but we felt like that's not quite everything that God has in store. That's not exactly what we see in the Acts 2 church. It's, it's not like they just met once, once Sunday a week, gathered together and then said, okay, I'll see you next week and then went their own way. So these are the things that were stirring in us, um, the seven guiding principles so what do we do? Um, with that in mind, 
what we then started to do is we um, got together on a Saturday uh, a, a group of millennials. And there are about 10 to 13 in each group. And we met on the Saturday morning in April. And we walked through several things with them. And we, uh, we said, what's important to you? Just so we can understand. So a focus group, for those of you not familiar with the term, is really a group, uh, it's a technique where you get a group of people together and it's like a group interview. And you're just trying to understand um, what they feel and what they think to inform something that you're doing. So that's what we did here. And we asked them, what's important to you just in general? We also asked them, um, when we talk about this space, this gathering thing that we feel led to do, tell us what you like about it. Tell us, oh uh, no, well, tell us what you like, tell us what you wish, and tell us what you wonder. And so they gave us some of that. And then we said, what would you like this place to feel like? What would you like to see? And what would you like to do? And so here's some of the, here's some of the answers to what they said. So when we said, what's important to you, um, they said, interestingly, I want to be a, they wanted to be better communicators um, because they felt that that was important in their personal and professional life. Um, and I personally have found that to be true. Um, what's my purpose? Uh, I think one of the best-selling books outside the Bible is The Purpose Driven Life that uh, Pastor Rick Warren out of Saddleback uh, put together. And I think it's resonating with a lot of people, not just the millennial generation. They wanted a healthier me, and this wasn't just physically, but they also talked about it in terms of mentally and spiritually. They wanted a well-rounded, healthy life. Um, they also were very uh, interested in the issues of money and finances. Um, as many of you know, I work at a bank, and what we're seeing through a lot of the research is that the, the future generations are more and more burdened with debt, and they're more and more burdened with not being able to provide for themselves. People are, are putting off being able to buy a home just because they can't. Um, there was, in the 70s, the research shows that people, uh, a, a single parent, um, or let's just say one working parent, not a single parent, but a one working parent in a household was able to purchase a house. Um, and the other spouse could, could be at home. Today, that's not possible. Or it's very, very rare. So this is the stuff that's, that's, that's facing our, our generations today. Um, and then they wanted to know, how do I boost my career? What are the, the ways in which I can advance uh, in my career? When we asked them, I like, I wish, I wonder, there were a lot of things they had shared with us. And I just pulled out a couple in each area. And... They like the idea, this is very interesting, they like the idea of disconnecting from tech and bringing people together where they can just meet physically. And I, I didn't expect that, actually, because I thought, especially when I watch my son Josh, I feel like he's comfortable on his phone all day <laughs> or, or his computer, right? But I think what it's saying to us is innately in humans, we do crave to connect with each other. I like the location, so the, physically, the high ceilings, and they didn't want to feel like it was too indoors, but it had to have some exposure to the outside, large windows. They wish, 
they had, there was more natural light because we, we brought them into the space and they wanted to see more natural light, so it related. And they wish people felt less threatened by religion. They wondered what the common connecting factor will be. What will bring people together that are complete strangers, right? Um, do we provide the beautiful car and the beautiful house? I don't know, right? But what is the common connecting factor? And then they said, I wonder if any affiliation to a church will actually deter people. So what was interesting about this is they were very honest with us and said, we love what you guys are doing, the gathering place. But there was this underlying kind of like, but it's a church, so you know, there, there was this pause. We got we to gotta acknowledge that. And I think part of that is being authentic. And it's not like the goal is, let's bring people in, and then we're going to convert them. I think we bring people in, and we do what the first church did, right? The first church did is it broke bread. It fellowship with them. It prayed with them, right? And then the teaching followed. So some of the images I wanted to share with you, uh, you know, what does this space feel like? So we put post-it notes. We had a wall of images for them to choose from. And this is, they put it on this sheet. And I picked, you know, one of them. Flip to the next. So on the feel, this is one of the images that was typical. It was an inviting place that you can't destroy. So they didn't want it to be like, vases and nice things that all of a sudden could be tipped and and crashed. Um, Not members only. We talked about that. It didn't need to be quiet. So they didn't say, hey, you know, we want this to be a library or a study hall. But they, you know, more like maybe like a coffee shop kind of feel. They wanted to still see some activity that I could come to a place, do my own thing, but I know there's activity around here. Um, It was warm, loungy, and different spaces for different moods. So Sometimes my mood might be I want to engage with people, play a board game. Sometimes I just want to hang out and do my work. So then on the C side, we did the same thing. And then um, on the next slide, you'll see some of the things I picked out. Um, if you look at this, this uh, picture, um, it's warm, it's bright. Because this is a certain generation that I don't understand, <laughs> it's Instagrammable. <laughs> Pictures are important. <laughs> Uh, I, I honestly, I, I know what that means, but it's not my first inclination to be Instagrammable. Eclectic. Oh, this was interesting. Someone had said, um, I don't have a place to go hang out after 6 p.m. All the coffee shops are closed. So it'd be great to have a place I can go after work and I want to go do something, work on something or just hang out, but I don't have a place to go. The only other places to go open after 6 p.m. are like bars. I don't want to go to a bar. Um, Plants, booths, no carpet, uh, and huge tables, right? So not individual cubby holes, but, you know, big tables that people can plop down. Next one on the do, what do you want to do in this space? Some of the things they shared with us is uh, they want to build relationship. Uh, They want to have private spaces as well, if, if they can get away on some private side, some place that can be quiet but active, you know, I was talking about. Uh, interestingly, uh, a couple folks said, it'd be great to have arcade games. And I was like, what, like Pac-Man or something? Like, you know, you know uh, 
Galaxian, you know, whatever, joust. When I said those things, half of the faces went blank, right? Like, what is that stuff? <laughs> but the point is, yeah, like, like the arcade games as, as we grew up, where well, I grew up with in the 80s, uh, you know, when, you, when Fun Factory was a place, you know, to hang out, like that's kind of what they envision. Kind of cool. Um, board games, place where they can, you know, play Monopoly or something, or Catan, uh, Machikoto, things like that, the new stuff, right? Um, a workspace, place also they say with a lot of outlets, because they always go to Starbucks and they fight for where the outlets are. And oh, that guy's sitting there for three hours and he's taking the outlet and my, my laptop is out of battery. Um, so a lot of outlets. Good Wi-Fi. Um, also a place that maybe you could al- allow large events, you know, like a, like a, a big gathering. Um, comfy, not corporate. So it's kind of like, you know, don't create like the open office space, but a comfortable, more like a coffee warm place. Um, and it goes even beyond a coffee shop, right? So some place that people feel they can just hang out for quite some time. So we were really fired up by all of this. Um, a friend of mine, I think I mentioned to you, high school friend, is an architect. I respect him a lot. He's, a, he's this design genius guy. So he came down. We did this together. Um, and uh, we were all, he was like, I got it. I know kind of exactly where you guys are headed. And we were like, okay, right? So moving down this path. And then what happened is, then we felt like God said, stop. <laughs> this is around June time frame. And for a lot of reasons, we started to feel uncomfortable about where we were headed um, and what was happening. And also around this time, there was some back and forth uh, with the landlord. And then it came to a point where the, uh, the listing agent that was working with us said, you know what, there's actually a firm offer for that space you guys are, are in, You're, you've been negotiating. And um, it's, it's a firm offer, the financials look good. So uh, kind of like telling us, they're kind of first on the, on, the, on the slot there. So we were kind of like, oh, and we were kind of bummed. And uh, we backed off again. And, um, and so we had gone through this whole journey, right? Like, whoo this is awesome. You know, we, we inquired. There was a space. The millennials felt good about it. We were excited. We were, you know, they had the architect there. We had the vision for it. All the stuff I just shared with you. And I thought it's aligning with all the things that's been happening in my life. And it has been great. I have people at my office who still ask me, hey, where are you guys in that place, you know? And I'm, I'm saying, you know, I think we're supposed to pause. I think we're supposed to pause. And, um, and so it took me several weeks, to be honest, for me to um, be like, okay, what was that all about, God? Uh, you know, and, and uh, to be very authentic with you, a part of me is like, you know what, pa already, <laughs> you know? But I knew that there was a reason for this journey. Um, so let's turn to a couple of pieces of scripture I want to share with you because I think I'm hoping that part of this journey is your journey as well. So in Proverbs 3, 5 through 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. We know this one. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will straight, make straight your paths. And some of the things that Pastor Mark had, had told us from the very beginning of the journey was the Lord is saying, put me first. Focus on me first. And um, it's very easy for us to come up with all this cool stuff and you know, do the focus groups. 
but maybe in that process, um, not be really clear on where is God in this. So this is, I think, a reminder to us that it's trust in the Lord and that he will make our path straight. Then in Mark chapter 11, verse 24, this is also very encouraging. Whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And so the operative word I think here for me is prayer. And it's in prayer that we need to be asking and seeking um, so we stay connected with the Lord. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, we know this one. This is a famous one too, um, but it always helps to remind. And I think whatever journey you're on personally, uh, this is always a good verse to memorize. If not, you know, write it on your arm or you know, keep it on your, your phone or something. But do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, including the big stop sign uh, in June as you're going down the path through salt and all this, by prayer, again, there's prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And that is a reminder of probably more prayer uh, in the process. So what are we learning since June? I think I shared a message, uh, I don't know, maybe a month or two months ago now, about agape. And I think one of the things we were learning is that this place, this gathering place, needed to reflect agape, God's unconditional love, for everyone. It's in God's time. We often say this for a lot of things we pray for and don't get answers to right away, but I think it is true. I think it is in God's time. And and a lot of it is, are we going to be obedient and are we going to lift it up to him and allow him to drive this, not ourselves? Michelle Okimura came and spoke uh, maybe a month ago now, I want to say, and... um, for those of you who are there, I mean, I think you heard what she was saying, but for, what, for whatever reason, um, I decided, you know what, I'm going to buy her books. Um, so I, I, I bought the books. I, I, one of them was her, her testimony that she had shared with us. The other one was a 21-day devotional. And um, so I went through it. Um, and what was interesting to me, you guys, is for those of you that, that got the 21-day devotional, I didn't know what to expect. But what it ended up being, and it was pretty remarkable, is um, each day is like a story from a millennial. And then there's this app that you hold over the picture, and the person, like augmented reality, comes up and speaks to you. Um, It was pretty cool. So you kind of felt like you got to know them a little bit just by looking at them. Um, In fact, um, I think... um, uh, one of the days, or a couple of days, uh, is Micah's sister. I mean, Karis and, and her husband, Marion, are actually in there um, and tell their story. But what it meant to me is that it was like I had gotten to know a little bit 21 millennials. And it was like, um, through that devotion, it was I got to hear what some of the struggles or things that people are wrestling with of that generation. And then it became clearer to me, like, this is the why. This is why we're doing what we're doing. It's because there's all of this stuff going on. And sometimes for those of us who are 10, 20, or more years older than this generation, maybe we've forgotten 
what that was like. And, um, and God maybe has given a lot of us stuff to share with that generation. So that explicit 21-day devotional, to me, started to form like the why are we doing this? It, it was amazing when I started to reflect like, oh yeah, so I got to meet all these people who I would have never met before um, through that book. Then at this um, kind of same time, I was rereading Letters to the Church. Um, Pastor Mark and I have been going through this together as well. And this is the book by Francis Chan and um, book because it started to outline in greater clarity what the first Acts 2 church looked like. And it started to form in my mind the how. So we have the why, which is the needs of the generation. And then now we have the how. How are we to reach them if not through the traditional Sunday message service? And most of them are not coming to Sunday service. So what is the how? And letters to the church start to develop some of that insight. And then in KCF 2.0, as we put all of this together, I think it becomes the what. What are we going to do? What is God leading this church to do? I want to say sum it up, but I think our impactful, should be impactful to each of us and should make us think about why are you at KCF? Why did God bring you to this church? Because I think if you're here, it's not because God was like, well, you know, that's a nice place for you to go meet people. That's not what church was intended to be, right? It's to go outside of the four walls, it, the importance of gathering is, is absolutely there in the Bible, but it's not just to stay friends with each other, and, that, and that's it, but we're to go out beyond the four walls. And so if we go to the 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17, I'm going to read it to you. So it says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. This is Paul talking, right? And not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. And I think what Paul was saying here is like, for, the, for, the, for people that were listening to Paul, what they really wanted was to like almost lift up Paul and be like, awesome, man, why don't you just preach it and be the dude? And we're going like, to be the church of Paul who talks about this God stuff. And Paul is rebuking the, Corinth, the, the church in Corinth and saying, ah, it is not about the eloquent wisdom. It is about the Holy Spirit. And he was not going to succumb to emptying the spirit of its true purpose and its power by lifting himself up. And so for the church, right, that's what it's about. Is that are we going to be vessels for the Holy Spirit to be able to impact the world around us? It's not about like the eloquence of Pastor Mark speaking, right? Or Dave speaking from time to time, right? It, it, that's not what we come to church for. We come to church so that we can be the vessels for the Holy Spirit. And then Paul continues in chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. And, and this is the stuff that, you know, it comes right out of letters to the church, which really was, uh, you know, impactful to a lot of us, I think, who read it. It says, and I, when I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, right? Again, it's, the, it's not about the lofty speech and the eloquent thing of man, right? The, the speech of man. But 
I decide to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Keep going. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. Right? So Paul said, hey, we're, we're all in it together. It's authentic, right? Like we're, we're all in this together. We're all humans following one God. And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but, and this is the important part, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. Guys, this, this passage, these two passages, I think remind us that what church is, is not about, man, that message this Sunday was so awesome. I feel good. That worship was so awesome. It gives me that, that dose of God that can carry me through the week. But church is really supposed to be every day. It's supposed to be about us witnessing the Holy Spirit in our lives. I was sharing with some, my small group, my, the digital life group this week, that there was a friend of mine I met in business school, Renee. And he was an atheist at the time. And I don't remember the exact circumstances, but I remember sharing with Renee my testimony. I said, yeah, you know my faith. And, you know, kind of came at it that way. And I said, did I ever share with you? Like, no, no, I want you, you know, tell me. So I, I ended up sharing with him um, how I came to the Lord, how I was an atheist, became an agnostic, and how I came to Christ. And then it just kind of was like, whew, done, right? And to be honest, I felt a little embarrassed. And I felt like, uh, so what? <laughs> you know, it's kind of like, you know, you know what I mean, right? Like, and it was like, how, how do you end that, right? So you want to grab a beer? I mean, you're like, what do you do, Right? So, so I, I didn't know, and we're just like, okay. And he was like, oh, thanks for sharing, Dave. Like, yeah, okay, cool, cool, you know, whatever's, okay. I didn't see him for almost 10 years later. I was in Maui on business. He was at, I was at a Safeway in Maui. He was in the checkout line, and I saw him, and I was like, hey, and, you know, we reconnected. And it was Odd because it's been 10 years. I hadn't talked to him in 10 years. And then he goes, hey, how you been? You know, after all of that stuff, he goes, Dave, I got to tell you something. He goes, I got to thank you. And I said, why? He goes, it's because, you know, you, you, you shared your testimony with me. He goes, um, I want to let you know, I accepted. Still kind of emotional to me. Renee goes, I accepted the Lord, and, and, and Jesus is my Savior. And I was like, what? You know, and he goes, he goes, and my family. He goes, I got four kids, you know. And he goes, my whole family. And I was like, how did that happen, you know? And he's like, you know, he goes, I think it started when you shared your testimony with me. So my point to you guys is, you know, the church it's important to come on Sunday to listen to the messages and stuff like that, no doubt. But I also think it's important that you just be a witness to Christ, right? Let the Holy Spirit just work through you, you know? That's what it's about. And as we go through this together, and, we ha- and, and if you're not in a life group, I'm going to encourage you, that's where it happens. That's where the rubber meets the road, Find a life group. If you don't know how to find a life group, come see Pastor Mark or myself, Neoshima, 
Neil Murakami, we'd be happy to encourage you to get there and, and, and plug in, okay? And I have a digital group that if it's hard to drive someplace, you just jump on a conference call. <laughs> and we meet uh, once a week at 8 o'clock. But if you would uh, stand up with me, just unclose us in prayer. I didn't think I was going to so emotional about that. Jeez. But I, but I think what it tells me is how important it is what we do um, as followers of Christ, that it's not just to be um, about coming and hearing a message on Sunday and feeling like I can check the spiritual box off my to-do list, so to speak, right? But this is about how do you make being a Christ follower um, a way of life, about who you are. Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for today. Uh, I thank you that you allowed me to share the journey that we're on. Through my journey, Lord, that I feel it parallels where KCF is going as well. Lord, I just pray for everyone in this room today that you would just bless them and grant them your favor, Lord, in wherever they are, uh, in people they interact with, it, whether it's in an office or at school or wherever they are, God, that you would use them and that people would somehow notice like, hey, you know what, something's different. And, and when it's something's different, God, that you would give them that little nudge, not in an over, overbearing way, but in just a little nudge to just be honest and authentic and say, you know what, it's because um, I go to church or because I, I know Christ now. And then when someone goes like, what does that mean, God, that you just give them the words. Lord, that's why I pray for KCF 2.0, as you're calling us, that we would be a church that will always look outward, that will be good witnesses to the love you have for us. Because, God, we know, man, friends, family in this world, that we're struggling sometimes, God. It's not easy. And so... We want everyone to know the hope that we can have in you. In Jesus' name, amen.